Helena, can you hear me? Hello, yes, I can hear you. Perfect. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm a bit sick and tired <laughs> for the, oh, the no. working day, but that's great. Uh, that's awesome to have you here, really. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, how was your day? I bet it was a busy day because of the new video of the yes, Sunfire. We, we had a release today. Uh, it's uh, still going for me. I have interviews and a lot of stuff going on. And uh, it makes me happy because it has a very good feedback, the new single. And in general, everything we've been um, releasing so far. Yeah, that was awesome. I watched the, the video in my job. Did you like it? Yeah, that was awesome, really. Thank you. Uh, could you tell me a bit about this new material, about uh, what the song means and how it was produced and the video? Uh, today, we released our second single for the upcoming album. Uh, the song is called Fighter, uh, and it's going to be part of our fifth album called Egdesis. And um, it is a very powerful song. Uh, with some lyrics, lyrical themes that I never really touched before. Um, it talks about a powerful fe uh, female figure, a powerful woman, uh, a warrior, really, um, somebody that goes through fire uh, to um, survive and in order to um, just keep going. Um, it, it, it's, it's just such a strong um personality you know and character uh something that surrounded me you know since i was a child like i saw that in my mother and i saw that um you know in other friends and uh other people around me but it was just never something i wanted to bring um to the table when we were writing new material because I always liked to promote the fact that when it comes to art um, it doesn't really matter much um, if you are a female or a male because it's all about feelings and feelings have no uh, gender and um, I still believe in that and I still promote that very much but this specific song um, I wanted it to be specifically about this and I know a lot of people can relate to that a lot of people have mothers like that or sisters like that or best friends like that um, you know and um, or maybe they are like that you know so um, yeah it's almost like a message to all the women and a message maybe to myself somehow too that you've got this you are a warrior you know a fight machine a killer <laughs> yeah and he also can some way can play a role for some girls that want to enter in music and have a medal as well yeah maybe maybe yeah uh, okay um you guys guys have just got back from a new US tour the yeah. first one after covid how does it feel yeah. to finally play some concerts after this covid nightmare we had yeah <laughs> it felt great it felt amazing actually uh, in the beginning, it was funny because we were all remembering how to do it. it almost like remembering how to, um, you know, ride a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, after, after years of not riding it. Um, yeah, it was interesting. But 
we were all so friendly and so united um, in the store that it made things work out easier and faster and maybe smoother. So I'm thankful for both bands, Butcher Babies and Stitched Apart for being there and, and being so awesome. And hopefully we could do a good part in helping them as well. So yeah, it was, it was really good. And the feedback of the US crowd was even better than we expected. Uh, so it's just amazing. People have been waiting for gigs for so long there. Yeah. I hope they're, they have a lot of energy, I guess, at least I do. Yeah. I'm only going to have concerts next year, probably. At least my first ticket is for next year. Gotcha. Well, a little bit more patience and then everything is going to be back. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. And uh, yeah, you were the only artist I know from Moldova. And of course, I'm going to ask some questions about Moldova. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I did some research. Let me know if something is wrong or not. Okay. Uh, you're from Moldova. Moldova is or was known for being one of the poorest countries in Europe. Yeah. Uh, lots of people from Moldova migrate to other countries for better opportunities and send money to their families. Uh, mm -hmm. How was the period you lived in Moldova? And do you think the situation got any better from then? I don't think uh, it changed much. There's still a lot of people that live abroad and they send money in the country for their families or loved ones to pay bills and stuff like that. Because the problem of, of um, countries like Moldova, um, which are, there are so many countries like that, small countries with, um, you know, not very, um, let's say, uh, properly adapted government. I'm, I'm not into politics and I don't want to uh, really go in, into that subject, but um, countries like that do suffer from poverty and they suffer from, from like very low salaries. Prices for food and clothes are just as high as anywhere else, but the salaries are way lower. So that's the biggest problem. You know, I remember um, when I used to live in, um, in uh, Moldova and we put together the band in order to record the first album. I worked three jobs to be able to put money aside, just can invest in the recording studio. Oh my God. And um, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, when I remember it going back, I don't know how I had enough um so much like health to do this you know um but um i did it and a lot of people work at two jobs some people work at one job but like the hours are crazy uh, those people that have normal hour jobs they have very low salaries so it's very difficult to afford anything else than very um basic needs and basic bills you know um Things obviously change a little bit here and there because a lot of companies, they um, have offices in different countries and they try to evolve other countries. And, and you know, um, Moldova is uh, making little changes, of course. Things change, but very slowly. Yes, uh, I think Brazil is not, of course, not as Moldova, but it's going to... A similar way because we're mm -hmm. becoming like a country with, with 
yeah, dependent economically from other bigger countries, yeah. which is obviously awful for us. Uh, uh, was Moldova independent when you were born, or is it still the Soviet Union? Uh, it was actually around that time. Uh, I was born in 86, so you can do the math. Um, basically around that time where, where everything was already over or getting around to be over, but my parents and the, the parents of my parents uh, lived in that era, which was even worse than after. <laughs> yeah, the end of Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, could you tell me some interesting cultural stuff from Moldova? I think Moldova is a very beautiful country. It's very small, and for the, the amount of um, territory that we have, we have insane amount of talented people in the art industry in general. There are incredibly amazing tattoo artists that became famous all over the world, and eventually they had to leave Moldova and live in a different country and maybe open a shop in a different country, but they are initially from Moldova. Uh, there are a lot of musicians as well that travel uh, to different countries to live, like um, so, so many um, big, big names, and then you find out that they're from Moldova. It's really mind-blowing to me, and it's amazing. One thing that I love Moldova for is the soil. So the nature in Moldova is incredibly beautiful. It's a very fertile soil, so the fruits and vegetables are incredibly good and super, super um, sweet and 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 just um very rich in in taste you know i absolutely that's my favorite thing to do when i go back to moldova is to eat as much you know fresh fruit and vegetable no matter what season i'm going um but yeah so in fact moldova was very popular um country during even during ussr uh, the country that exported the most of fruits and vegetables because of how rich soil is uh, in minerals and everything all the good stuff um that's why we also have very good wine (laughs) (laughs) that sounds good yeah cool Uh, all right let's move on but still keeping a bit in this subject you are a very multicultural person your father is from armenia i guess yes and you lived in many countries i don't know where your mother is from but yeah which countries did you live in how many languages do you speak I lived, I was born in Moldova, then I lived um, several years in Armenia with my father and his family, then I came back to Moldova, then uh, my whole family moved to Italy when I was a teenager, Um, they still live there, Uh, I only did university there, and then I came back to Moldova, (laughs) and that's where I created, um, that's when we created Infected Rain, and then um, after a while, I moved to United States. So I lived and I've been a resident of four different countries uh, so far in my life. And uh, I speak four languages. Um, I do understand uh, another two on top of those four, but I don't really speak them well. Which ones? <laughs> I speak Romanian, Russian, Italian, and English, uh, pretty much at the same level. And then I um, also understand Spanish because I did languages in university and that was one of my languages. And I also, 
already I'm forgetting uh, Armenian. I used to know Armenian perfectly. I went to school there and uh, middle school, but um, I didn't use it uh, for years. So now it's, it's at the level where I only, I can only understand certain things and maybe say a couple of phrases. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that I'm, I'm very into studying languages and mm. do you speak like, like the language you speak are very different from each other i mean yes maybe are. romanian and russian be be similar but English no romanian is... romanian and russian are incredibly different languages romanian and italian are similar because they come from uh, latin uh, just like spanish um, but uh, Russian is a Slavic language. It's not similar to Romanian or Italian or English at all. And what about Armenian? <laughs> Armenian is actually, it's very interesting that you asked me that. Um, Armenian language is the only one language on this planet that has no similarities at all. And oh it doesn't have a older language that it um, derivated from or developed from. So it was always this one language. It's a very small country nowadays. It used to be way bigger, but um, through the wars and through time, um, territorially became way smaller. And uh, yeah, Armenian uh, is in another completely unique with its own alphabet, uh, not similar to uh, Turkey, uh, Turkish language, like a lot of, of people think because they border, they are neighbors. I study they, Turkish, so yeah, yeah it's not similar. They are not, they are not even closely similar. They have different alphabets, different sounds, everything is different. Not even similar to like uh, the language uh, they speak in Georgia or like, you know, no, it's just another unique language. It's, it's the only one on the planet, actually. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I got curious. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's really interesting. I found out about this uh, while doing languages in the University of Italy. I did not know how unique that language was when I was a child. <laughs> yeah, of course, I did never know. I've mm -hmm. been studying Turkish for a year and a half, I guess, but that's a very hard language. Yeah. Another you, you said, I remember that Romanian has some very close words to Portuguese. So, it, of course, it has Latin roots. Uh huh. Do you know any Portuguese word? Mi corazón. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <in> Spanish. <laughs> no, no, come on. That is very Portuguese. In Portuguese would be meu corazón. <laughs> meu corazón. Well, it's, 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 it's similar. Very. I just, I remember growing up, we had some sub operas from in, in Portuguese and they had subtitles so we could hear the actual language. <laughs> yeah it's similar yeah. to spanish i mean we can communicate with each other oh you can that's awesome that's we really have cool. something called portmanol which is pretty much you get what you the words you know uh, uh -huh. about spanish and then you do fake the accents and mix that with portuguese oh, and everybody see. understands it <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's so, smart <laughs> so that's so hard for us to, to learn spanish because we, we get lazy because people understand you so you don't need to really learn the language. Yeah, I can only imagine. I found that um, Italian is also very similar to Spanish when I was studying Spanish, uh, but they have a lot of things that 
mean opposite or that you write them different so then it, it's a confusion in your head and you're like oh which one is which <laughs> yeah exactly and some some words are female and some words are male like yeah so it's very confusing but italian yeah. for me it sounds very very hard even though it's really? a latin language yeah it sounds very uh, different from portuguese yeah it is it definitely sounds very different it's a unique sounding language i love italian very it's much very it. beautiful yeah yeah all the uh, languages are. have you ever been here in south america not yet no not yet that's it mm -mm. hopefully I, you will I come factor so. <laughs> in the future yeah <laughs> still waiting for a gig but you guys never been here not before. yet not yet but we want to it's gonna happen yeah mm -hmm. okay there we go right to the beginning now I want to know how was your first contact with music and art in general? The first bands you listened to, the first instrument to learn how to play if you do play an instrument, um, the first contact as, as a whole. Um, I started uh, understanding that I love a more alternative sounding music around the age of 13, just based on radio stations and MTV that was the only thing I could um, encounter music at at that age. And uh, I started understanding that the more like alternative sounding music is the music that I prefer the most and speaks to me the most. And slowly but surely, I started like noticing the names of the bands that I like the most and stuff like that. But um, so throughout the years, in a way, I kind of you know, filtered already, like I knew I liked, like later on Nirvana was probably my biggest first love uh, and uh, so on in that era. But I started listening to heavier sounding bands at the age of 16. And um, I like telling the story because uh, people find it super fascinating. Um, with my very first salary, when I started working as a hairdresser, I went to this music shop, this super small little uh, shop, store or whatever that uh, was selling CDs, uh, I'm sorry, cassettes at the time, cassettes. And um, I, cause it was around my birthday and my mom got me a cassette player. Uh, and so I bought two albums without really even knowing what I'm buying. And it was uh, Slipknot, Iowa and um, Sepultura, Roots. So uh, that was it for me. I fell in love with it. one, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. And then, uh, yeah, I listened to th those albums until they stopped working, seriously. Um, <laughs> so that's how I knew this is what I like the most and then little by little more bands you know and friends would give me some music and then I started going to this local band shows and just understanding that I really did like that a lot uh, I never learned music I don't have any musicians in my family I never knew how to play an instrument. Uh, me being in the band was a complete coincidence and just, I guess, for fun. And it just became something I wanted to do. Yeah, that's how the real rock stars go. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to play anything. They learn it in the band and they, they get really yeah. talented, gifted. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, who knows? Uh, I guess you said in an interview that your parents were, were dancers. Uh, 
Yes, my parents were both, that's how they met. Um, they uh, used to dance for this very big, um, I don't know, band, uh, dancer band uh, in my country that they were like dancing with a lot of musicians and like it was more like a um, local type of folklore type of dancing. I don't know how to explain it properly, but um yes they were on their way to be at a more professional level dancers they met there and um yeah i actually did my first steps on the stage yeah. <laughs> on the rehearsal stage so do you believe the arts was sort of a priority in your family in some way or at no least... not really because uh, my mom had to drop they both had to drop very fast when Eventually, I was um, when I think when um, they got pregnant with the second baby. So when my sister was already in the oven. <laughs> um, so I think that's when they dropped. And because my mom was actually um, studying and practicing medicine, she was trying to become a doctor, uh, but she never became a doctor. She stopped it. Um, a little bit before so she was a nurse she still is she's a nurse um so I, yeah i don't think i don't think they took it to uh, you know they they i don't i don't know if they even thought about um, taking it to like the high professional levels i don't know yeah cool and yeah when did you get start to, to get to venues and clubs and get in contact with the the musical scene the real musical scene in some way you mean as a musician or just before that? As a fan as well. Going yeah, to, as to I said, gigs. Around, around my age of 16 and 17 is when I started going to shows. Yeah, what was, was like the first bands you... It was local bands from Moldova. Just from... I don't even remember who was the very first band, but it was some local bands from Moldova. And then I've been to some shows from some bands from Russia that were playing in Moldova or some really Romanian bands. Not many bands really visit such small countries, especially back in the day. Now it's easier, but uh, back in the day, no, uh, not really. So just local bands. And what was like the first big concert you've been? Do you remember the that? First, yes, the first very big show that I ever been to was at the age of 17. And it was when I moved to Italy. Uh, after a couple of months of me being in Italy, I decided to go to this big, big festival in the northern Italy. Uh, it was called Flip Out Festival, actually. And Korn were headlining that festival at the time. And uh, But there were other incredibly big bands there. Soulfly, Il Nino, um, Him. I uh, don't remember which other bands were there, but I was 17 and I traveled with a train in this new country I am that I barely spoke the language. <laughs> <laughs> Such an adventure. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, that was so much fun. Festivals are the best. They have so many bands. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Let's go to, to Infected right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the band was formed in Moldova in 2008. As you said, it was after you came back to Moldova exactly 13 years ago. Could you tell me yes. a bit about the, the beginning of this? It's a long story. We actually started rehearsing in 2007 in Atom. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, it, the way it all started was 
music, um, had this friend, uh, he was a DJ, and they were just fooling around, playing covers, redoing uh, metal songs to like electronic metal, heavier sounding songs, some sort of something like that. We were all friends at the time. And for fun, they asked me to sing. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, whatever, without even thinking. And we were just hanging out, uh, having fun. But I remember that after a while, that uh, guy, the, the DJ, he told me, hey, you know, you should, you should see maybe a teacher because I think you have a lot of potential. Maybe you need somebody to tell you what to do with it. And believe it or not, that was enough for me. It was like he planted the seed in my head and, and this idea was in my head forever. So I just wanted to try. So I found a teacher and um, I really wanted to learn like basics and, and in general how to use this instrument that is my body, my own body. <laughs> yeah. And she did. Um, at the same time, we were getting more serious about the band. We got other musicians. We started writing our own songs. And then in the summer of 2008, we had our first gig. And so, yeah, I've been with that teacher for three years of the career uh, of Infected Rain. And she taught me a lot for sure. I loved going um, to her lessons. 2008 was our first show and it was dedicated to Slayer. And uh, the one of the conditions for bands that played there was to play at least one Slayer cover. Mm. And so we did, we played Stain of Mind and Bloodline. Is that recorded? Uh, that is no. <laughs> oh shit! But yeah, but um, however, we found some footage from that show that is going to be included in our uh, documentary that is coming out in the, the end of November, uh, dedicated to the the anniversary of the band. So uh, I invite you to go check it out. Yeah, yes. I, I took a look at that. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, so um, since then I knew that. That's what I want to do, and that's what makes me happy, and I will try to do it for as long as I can. That's that's the whole story. Yeah. And how many years ago did you as as an independent band before sign up with the Palmer Records? Years, exactly. Ten, Ten years, years, three albums, a lot of touring, a lot of work. Um, and then we finally signed because, you know, Napalm Records were – very insistent they were uh trying for years <laughs> with us <laughs> Other labels tried too but nobody was as insistent as them they were always very nice professional and understanding when we were you know uh nicely rejecting their offer um for one reason or another and then yeah we that's i think that's why they won <laughs> they won <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were were comforted comfort as an independent band we were to a certain extent and then certain things started being uncomfortable and not doable anymore because not many bigger events or bigger things you can do as in being independent um, unless you have your own company that knows doing with the, your own people that do that for you because it was just impossible to be more than just the musician composer editor organizer uh, translator secretary booking agent uh, manager everything oh my god 
I, I mean, I run a small page on Instagram. It's always already a nightmare for me. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> having a band and booking a tour. It must be pretty yeah. hard. It was. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know you have like a second career as a model or a t tattoo model. And you work it as a makeup artist and a hairdresser for some time as well. Could you tell uh, me? Not uh, fully correct. Uh, so I used to be a hair and makeup. Uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. I used to be a, a hair and makeup artist way before the band. And uh, for 12 years, actually, I did it full, uh, completely. But um, uh, many of those years, I did it together with the band when we were touring just a little bit and it was doable to actually do both. When the band started touring a lot, uh, it wasn't possible anymore, you know, because you have customers that want to know that they can count on you and it's not really all that easy so the only way i um, bring that up um, later on is just with my modeling and um, with my infected rain videos and our photo shoots uh, so i do my own hair and makeup and sometimes i do the models that are part of it you know as well but um, me being a model was something i started doing at the age of 19. I always loved uh, modeling after that, after that first photo shoot. And being a hair and makeup artist and being in the industry of beauty or fashion or whatever you want to call it, in a way inspired me a lot uh, with my own photo shoots. Um, also working with certain really talented photographers, I found it um, very, you know, um, artsy in, in a way, very artistic to create this looks from scratch and, and do this photo shoots. And yeah, it's, it's not like a secondary career path I'm, I'm looking for. It's just something I do for fun, but it, it doesn't interfere at all with the music. Rain at the moment is a full-time job for everybody in the band. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's a good level. Um, I made my guess was wrong, but I want to know how you're, Uh, where your nickname came from it, it, it just like you guessed it was because of uh, the hairdresser career and my friends actually uh, named me that way when I finished the hairdresser school they gave me a t-shirt that said Lana Scissorhands and then I created my first email like that and then Facebook and it just stuck with me <laughs> <laughs> when you when you yeah. adopt a nickname you can get, get rid of that mm -hmm. All right. Um, when did you start as a tattoo model? Like which year was that? Oh, I don't know. I, as I said, I don't pursue it that way. Um, they just call uh, alternative looking um, models. They call them that way. But I don't I don't remember. I started do, doing my first photo. I did my first photo shoot when I was 19. And then uh, throughout my life, I was um printed in magazines and issued in different websites and stuff like that. So I, I wouldn't know. I don't know. I worked for different tattoo conventions and other conventions like horror movie conventions, comic conventions and different stuff like that. So it's just, it's just a alternative modeling, I guess it's what it is, but it's, um, it's not something that I, as I said, that I do all the time. Only sometimes and only for fun. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so 20, 
interview, the last question. Um, mm -hmm. let's let's go vegan. Could you tell me a bit about your story with veganism, how it started, what changed yeah, in your been, life and in your body since then, and how yeah, is life? It's been, uh, it's been uh, six six years now for me, and uh, it uh, started as an experiment. I just wanted to uh, clean my body and pay attention to what's happening in my body during this cleaning, during this reset, and uh, then I ate raw vegan food for almost three months uh, and I absolutely loved the changes in my body and how much energy I had and everything and then the love of uh, cooking and the love of uh, being creative in the kitchen kind of took over so I switched to just normal classic uh, vegan eater I guess I still eat very healthy and, and uh, relatively clean uh, in comparison with the um, you know everything that could be Uh, vegan that you can eat you know like chips and oreos are vegan but <laughs> yeah. there are many things that are vegan that are not good for you <laughs> i'm vegetarian so, and i eat a lot of chunky <laughs> yes yeah, see um but yeah for me i just love uh studying the matter i do i like to pay attention to my body i um I'm a very active person. I work out a lot and hike a lot and, uh, you know, very active on stage. And that makes me think about my own body. Like it's my own vehicle. It's my own, you know, like machine that has to last as long as possible and has to work at its best abilities. So I try to uh, be very careful with what I eat and, when I eat and then how much I eat and stuff like that, you know? Um, however, I am, I love food. I am a big lover of food. So that combined together is actually really cool because I love creating in my kitchen. The close fans know that I, um, I do love to be creative, even with small things like salads, you know, and uh, yeah, so um, I love it. I love it a lot. I also uh, practice um, other type of uh, things throughout the year that clean my body and mind like fasting or other procedures. Uh, and I think everybody should do that and think about that eventually. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just, you know, I love it. I, I love how my body reacts to it and how much energy I have in comparison with other people that are even way younger than me. Yes. Uh, something that the, you, you mentioned that I think it's very related and almost a need that if you want to become vegan, you need to know how to cook. Not necessarily, no. Not nowadays. There are so many uh, restaurants, so many prepared meals that you can eat, uh, cook, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, buy, uh, not necessarily, it's, it don't need to, it's, it's like saying, if you want to eat, you need to know how to cook. It's the same as, as a, the classic, uh, you know, the traditional cuisine, it doesn't matter. Like if you don't know how to cook, buy your food, order your food, you know, because it's everywhere. Nowadays, it was, it, it was, um, more difficult six years ago when I kind of started, but I, I can only imagine like people that are vegan for like 10 or 20 years, how different every year is for everybody in different countries too. Yeah, it's changed a lot from country to country. And how is like being, being on tour, being a vegan and stuff, easy to find vegan food and tour? Yeah, super easy. If, uh, 
if you run out of food, you go to the store and you buy whatever you want and you just eat it. You know what I mean? Like, it's so easy because we, we literally eat fruits and vegetables and nuts mainly. So it's so easy. You don't even have to really have a kitchen to put things together and eat. Yeah, so it's tell it to people all the time, like being at least being vegetarian, you just need to cut the meat. You know, you can eat vegetables, you can eat beans, you can eat rice, you can eat everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just cutting out the meat. It's simple, mm -hmm. super simple. Very simple. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, guess that's it. What's next for Infected Run? I know you guys are running a dock now. Yes, November 26th, we will release uh, digitally a um, um, documentary and a show called The Devil's Dozen. And it is um, in honor of our 13th anniversary. It's going to be available for eight entire days for people to watch and rewatch. It is incredibly rich of information and a lot of cool stuff. Um, I'm super excited for it, honestly. Um, yeah, we've put a lot of money, production, time, effort, energy in it, and, and I'm super, super happy with the result. Uh, do you want to send the last message to the people that will be listening to this interview? Um, just thank you for your love and support, and uh, remember that um, artists really, really need you uh, with every little single share, comment, or, or view you are helping, you are spreading the word, and thank you for believing in us. Cool. <laughs> uh, Elena, that was a huge pleasure to have you here. Thanks a thank lot you. for your time, thank really. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good night. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.